When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your dentist to actually believe you? And you're flossing every day. Absolutely. Great. Um, And you're cutting down on your sweets? Of course. (laughs) Wonderful. Then I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months. There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Thursday evening. You are likely hearing this on Friday morning as the Cubs get set to start their final homestand of the season, the final 10 games at Wrigley Field coming up starting later on Friday afternoon. But we are here on Thursday night to recap a, let's be honest, rather disappointing series out west in San Diego. The Cubs, much like they have in some of the recent series, especially those series with the Brewers, start with a big win. We have immense news that, of course, drops on Monday after we had already recorded our last conversation with you guys, that the Cubs called up Nico Horner, their top prospect, someone who was drafted just a year ago, barely has played any professional baseball in the minors, and he is the Cubs' starting shortstop, so it seems, as it was for this series in San Diego. The Cubs win 10-2, and just that little creeping thought, right? Tell me if you didn't feel that way, Brendan, and all of you listening, but I certainly did. I I got sucked in once again by this team, thinking this is this is the moment. This is the spark. They're, they're going to turn it around. That was a huge win, and, and we're going to go forward here. Nope. And then... 
Tuesday happened, and Tuesday might have been the worst loss the Cubs have suffered. I suppose on one of these podcasts we can debate if we want to, you know, get really sad and uh, self-inflicted upon ourselves. We can debate what is the worst loss of this Chicago Cubs team in 2019, but I think Tuesday, the 9-8 to loss to the Padres, where Steve Ciszek walks three straight batters in the bottom of the 10th inning, most of whom of the five to six hundred on base percentage uh or OPS variety excuse me uh to lose the game and then the Cubs drop the third game of the series four to nothing getting shut out by the San Diego Padres always a really cool thing to do in the middle of a playoff race (laughs) and they come back and win to split the series on Thursday four to one I think we have too much to talk about, so I think that's probably going to be the extent of the recaps that we do here. We're going to end up talking, I think, about a lot of it, Uh, but I think there's a lot of different directions to go, and Brendan, I'll bring you in here. I think, firstly, I do want to get your general impressions on this series and and where the Cubs are at as we head into these final couple weeks, the final homestand, but because we didn't get to do it on the last episode, any immediate thoughts or things you need to tell our listeners about the Cubs calling up Nico Horner? Because I, I, I don't know about you, Brennan, but that was definitely not even on my radar that they would do that. I think we had kind of toyed with the idea that maybe they would try it just to to see uh, because Nico's been a, a fast mover through the systems. He's performed well, and obviously you have Javi out and Addison Russell getting hit in the face in, in that last series, but this was not something I was expecting at all, and to wake up to that news on Monday was quite a, a pleasant but ultimately a surprise. Yeah, I feel like Nico Horner compliments everything the Cubs have been trying to search for over the last, not only this year, but two years. Someone with exceptional athleticism, someone who does not strike out that much, but he also has like that that attitude, right? Like he comes in his very first game as a major league player, just days after not even expecting that to happen, prepping for the Arizona Fall League, comes in, boom, three hits, playing phenomenal defense at shortstop, making spectacular plays, some that even Javi would have difficulty making. He's doing like spin jump throws. This guy just seems to kind of have it. And for Jason McLeod, who we'll probably talk about later on in his podcast, but Jason McLeod and the Cubs scouting development, they identify these types of college bats that can fly through the system. Schwarber, Hap, you know, KB, and now Horner. It's not surprising. It's just surprising that the fact that it's happening out of a necessity. You know, you and I in March and April talked about Nico coming up almost as a way to get him experience for 2020. Never in our wildest dreams, Corey, did we expect Nico would have been called up as a necessity to get to the playoffs. That was, it's, I mean, it's shocking in that degree, but I have no hesitation playing Nico on almost an everyday basis. I think he has the mental mindset. He has the sharpness. He has the skill set. And most importantly, the scouting reports against Nico right now, they're going to be toying with how to get this guy out. And that is an advantage in a small sample, a three-week sample. And we saw it on display in that first game. So yeah, it, it was extremely fun to watch. And it's, it's very tantalizing what that middle of the infield will look like once Javi is back. Maybe if they're in the playoffs this year, but more importantly, next year, 
when you have Nico as second base and Javi as shortstop. That's going to be an insane athletic infield. Yeah, absolutely. And Nico goes three for five with four RBIs. He scores two runs. And in something that, you know, maybe it happened in, in some of these past Cubs debuts because they have had some big ones on the road, but I certainly don't remember it to this degree. The crowd, a lot of Cubs fans, obviously in San Diego with the Padres out of the playoff race here, chanting Nico yeah. for a large portion of this game. Multiple and that's kind of what I meant. Corey, too. Yeah, and that's kind of what I meant in the intro, saying like this team, they they brought me back in once again, because you're just thinking, man, this is such a night for one of their big prospects, a reminder that, you know, even though the Cubs system has been rated towards the bottom of the league, they they do still have some of these big names and, and a lot of talent throughout that system. And you're thinking, man, like this is such a good way to start this series, such a big game for Nico. He's messing around with Rizzo. He looks like a professional out there. He he looks like he is ready to take this leap in his career. And then, like we said, it sort of just uh, dissipates on Tuesday. However, well, I mean, you, you can't like you let, that. like I know it's easy, but you can't let those losses ruin what Nico is doing. I know. Yeah, you do. You do have to keep them separate because as much as it feels like the weight of the world lies on the 2019 season, there will be baseball after 2019. And so this is a very important thing happening for the Chicago Cubs just as an as an organization and being able to get him experience in a situation like this in games that matter and at least through these first few games he looks very comfortable and and looks very professional and I I think that regardless of how the 2019 season plays out this is going to be a very valuable experience for him and I think the Cubs will be better for it in that final game on Thursday he had a really nice at bat I think it was 10 pitches uh you know and he's just someone who again like you said Brendan, he is different than a lot of the profiles of the guys on this team. He has a a really good ability to make contact. The bat speed looks incredible in these first few games, uh, just seeing him at this level. And he's got speed, athleticism. He's not going to be a big power guy. We got to see what power he maybe even has at all. And so he's not going to be a swing for the fence, strikeout type profile like we have seen with a lot of some of these Cubs prospects that they brought up. This is a contact, get on base, put the ball in play, and make things happen type of player. So I think it's exciting to see him, and and whatever we get to see of him going forward, it'll be exciting to see the way that he is able to develop here. But Brendan, I want to start I think with our first big topic here, besides Nico, now that we've at least gotten some uh, opinion on that, uh, I want to go to Theo Epstein's interview on the score that took place on Thursday morning. And it was a a lot of discussion uh, uh, with Molly and Haw on 670 The Score. And it touched on a lot of things that I think we have talked about and a lot of things that we have hinted at and, and just general topics that, that I think have been familiar talking points to you guys who listen to us here on the Cubs-related podcast and, and really, I think, a lot of just the Cubs discussion that is out there. But I, I want to read one particular note or quote. It, it's a, a little long, so bear with me here. I'll try to keep my breath throughout this. But I think it, it's a good place to start, and hearing it from Theo Epstein is, you know, certainly uh, a, a 
he, when he speaks, you should listen. He's very important to, to this organization, uh, to say the least. So here's the quote just about the general spot that the Cubs are in. Theo says, quote, our failure to play up to our ability, up to our potential. That was when he was asked what one area was most inconsistent with this group. He goes on to say, quote, we just lost two games in a row to a team that I think were more talented than. We have a 150 better run differential than. We were just caught from behind in the wildcard standings by a team that our run differential is over 100 runs better than, but they're playing better ball, the Brewers. They just beat us five out of seven in huge games. We put them back in the race. It's the inability to show up and play winning baseball. Wow. We're playing bad baseball second most errors in the league, the most outs on the bases in the league. Those things chip away at your margin for error. So, Brendan, first of all, stop me if you've heard some of this before, because a lot of this sounds like stuff that... I think Theo listens to us, Corey. A lot of this sounds like stuff that you and I have have said before, especially that margin for error is like a quote from our (laughs) every episode. That might be a direct quote from from you and me, uh, (laughs) talking about how these things make it so you don't have a lot of room to mess around. Yeah. But... I think that that really encapsulates where we are here. And I said on the last podcast that this is the weirdest spot that I can remember in this window, and certainly since you and I have been doing this podcast, because it is the first time that I can remember, and I suppose I could be wrong, but we'd be talking way earlier in the season for this same type of sentiment. This late in the season, early, mid-September, whatever you want to call this, where there is still a chance of a playoff spot, but also a really high chance that this is a horribly catastrophic season for the Cubs in just missing the playoffs altogether, winning sub-90 games, whatever it may end up being. And that's such a weird balance to strike because, as I said last time, if there is a chance to make the playoffs, you are on the wrong podcast if you are ready for us to perform the autopsy before the season is over. It's not going to happen. We're going to be there till the end hoping that they can make the playoffs and play like the team that they can be. But it, it just makes for such a weird place to to discuss because you you kind of have to try to focus on that but also you're just so annoyed and disappointed with some of the efforts that you see and I think it's really summed up in what Theo is saying like they are just better than some of these teams they should not be losing two must win games to the Padres in the middle of September they should not be getting run over by this Brewers team who who just is not in the same stratosphere as this organization, or at least where the the Cubs organization should be. So I I thought that that was a very telling quote from Theo. I know that you, Brendan, are are not the biggest fan when Theo goes kind of scorched earth to the media and, and talks about some of this stuff, but it's pretty telling that his frustration is showing through this much and that when he's doing these interviews, he's being pretty brutally honest. Like the the Cubs are not playing good baseball. They're losing to teams that they're better than. They're being sloppy. They're making easy mistakes. And it's, it's, I think, very telling when it, when that is coming from the president of baseball operations, as you're still trying to make the playoffs, that there's just no positive way to spin some of the things that have been going on with this team. 
Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Yeah, I mean, I don't like when Theo does this, but at at this point in the season and how the Cubs have played, I don't really care anymore. I think Theo even saying this, like it gives us fans like, oh, okay, he sees it too, like a sense of empathy, so to speak. And I mean, Theo said straight up, like he's embarrassed with how he himself has performed with these acquisitions. I mean, he was talking about the leadoff spot and he said, quote, I feel embarrassed by the on-base numbers we've had out of the leadoff spot. That's not the way to build an offense, end quote. So like, He's taking responsibility for his shortcomings as well. And that was kind of the the main point that I think you and I have been trying to nail down is this is not a Joe Madden sole issue. This is not just a player personnel issue. This is not just a lack of player development. This is a systematic issue that led to a point where now in 2019 – in a multi-year win window, we're looking at missing the playoffs to a team that may win 90 games in the St. Louis Cardinals. We're talking about missing the playoffs to a team that just lost Christian Yelich and gained five games on the Cubs in less than a week. That should never happen, Corey. Really, I mean, no matter how this season plays out, I mean, look, all bets are off if they end up getting in and and finding a way to win the World Series. Who knows what that would look like afterward? But really, everything we've heard is that no matter what, there, there, a change is a coming. The 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 winds of change are. I mean, they played 140 games of mediocre baseball. Yeah. Like, that is a huge sample. And again, you have to really blow every team out of the water to give, I think, Theo confidence that a, that a shakeup is not necessary. We're too right. far into the, into the season to not believe that. And later in the interview there on the score, he went on to say, quote, the only good news is we're very fortunate to have a chance with a few weeks left to change the script if we finally start playing good baseball on a consistent basis and show up and unite and win a bunch of games. We can change the script of what the 2019 season should be known for. That's an opportunity that should not be taken lightly because at this point in the season, I don't think any of us associated with this team are going to be proud of what our identity is here. Wow. Wow. Brendan, I mean, that's wow. that's pretty direct and, and goes back to what you and I were just saying. Like, really, it's going to be very difficult for, I think, the course of where this organization is headed to change just based on the performance here. And and I mean, he really says as much that, that this is not a situation that anyone in the Chicago Cubs organization should be proud of. And that's 
pretty telling. And, you know, look, you go back to his words in the offseason press conference uh, after the Cubs lost the wildcard game to the Rockies, and the, the, the strong words that he laid out, the criticism for the o- offense and other things, some of that stuff didn't necessarily show in what they did in the offseason, whether that was Theo's decision, whether that was Ricketts deciding not to spend a lot of money. I don't know. We still don't really know the exact calculation of what was going on there. So I understand if some people are like, look, you know, I kind of got the feeling that we were going to see some major shakeup last year, and that didn't happen. So I'm hearing him say this, and I'm not buying it. And I, I, I get where you're coming from. But as we've said before, I think the distinction between the 2018 season and the 2019 season is a very important one and really informs a lot of these discussions. Seasons like 2018 are going to happen. It happened to the Cubs in 2015, right? Almost a a very similar situation, in a sense. 2015 team won— In what way, though? The 2015 team won 97 games. They got beat by two teams in their division. It happens, right? There's very little that you can do to control that. In 2018, the Cubs won 95 games. They would have won every other division in the National League. The Dodgers and the Rockies played a tie-breaking game, just like the Cubs did, for a division that was won by five less games, right? It happens. You won 95 games. Could you have been better? Yes. Did the offense score one or zero too many times? Yes, of course. Every team, even the best ones, can go back and find problems with what they did. But 95 is normally going to be good enough to win most divisions in Major League Baseball. 2019 is not like that. You're talking about not winning 90 games. You're talking about not winning the division for a second straight year. You're talking about the possibility of not even making the playoffs. This is a totally different scenario. This isn't just it happens. It's baseball. Sometimes teams are better than you, and even you put your best foot forward, it doesn't matter. This is you did not do that. You did not do that at all, and I think we're going to see the the, the reckoning that I, I think Theo promised or hinted at coming into 2019, I think we see it after the 2019 season. Again, really like barring a World Series run. And even then, I I still think that changes are going to come because, you know, yeah, I mean, they've gone through out, Brendan, just to to, to finish there, the Cubs have been, I, I believe it's 50 and 52 in their last 102 games. We've been noting some of those numbers a lot as we've been going, especially kind of starting around that area of the All-Star break when they went in having played a whole month under 500. It's been more of that. That hasn't stopped. And again, like, 100 plus games of being 500, a little above, a little below is, that's a large sample, guys. It's it's one of those situations where it's like when a, when a baseball team kind of shows you who they are over such a long period, at some point you have to say, well, that's who they are, right? Like, and yeah. I think that that last quote from Theo where he's talking about, look, we can kind of change the script. We can see good things happen for these last few weeks and, and maybe change the narrative just a little bit. Yeah, but we haven't seen it for over 100 games. So I, I'm just not sure how, how much we're all really expecting that to happen. But it, it was a very compelling interview from Theo. If you want to hear the full thing, obviously you can go to 670 The Score. 
But Brendan, I, I got to tell you, like I'm looking at even just the URL and in, in, in the web link here, and it's uh, you know 670thescore.com, and then the the title afterward: Theo Epstein frustrated by unach- underachieving, uninspired Cubs. And I am still in somewhat of a state of disbelief that I'm reading this headline on September 12th in the middle of what was supposed to be, I think, uh, a nice run to the division title here. But that is that is not what we are talking about here tonight. And it seems like it's been an extension from that collapse. Not, not collapse, but an extension from that of last October when they lost that playoff game. So this is like a year of the same type of feeling, the same type of searching. And a lot of decisions weren't really made in terms of like that urgency fashion last offseason. I think we're going to we're going to get that. And I just don't see the Cubs going into next season even even winning the World Series, Corey. I swear to God, even winning the World Series, I don't see them coming back with 75% of the same squad. I mean, we look at what the Yankees did what was at 2017 when Joe Girardi was fired, Corey, one game away from going to the World Series. He was fired by a front office with lots of money, lots of expectations, a great farm system. They take they took no chances. Even one game away, even fighting right. back, clawing back. So the Cubs, they could be doing the same thing. Joe Madden may not be that guy to lead the next wave of as Theo said, the next wave of Cubs greats, right? Maybe maybe Joe's not that guy right now. So even if the Cubs do go on a deep playoff October run, I'm going to be shocked if we're looking at an outfield defined, especially in center field next year, by Jason Hayward, Ian Happ, and Albert O'Mara. You, you can, I, I'll be floored if we do that again next year. We're beyond that point. We have, we have 145 games, whatever it is now, 145 games of this sample, and very little improvement across the board. Very little, even from Hayward, very little improvement. I just doubt we see that happening. But there's, there is reason to at least still follow the team, be optimistic about their chances this year. But I don't think what they're going to do in in October will define drastically what ends up happening over the course of this offseason. Yeah. And just going kind of on that Yankees example, we also just saw the Red Sox get rid of Dave Dombrowski. They just won the World Series not even 12 months ago. I mean, when when you have money to spend and you have you know, owners who have a lot of assets that need that type of, you know, money to fuel the machine. Like you have have a short leash and not to say like, you know, fire Theo or whatever, but he realizes this too. And so, no, it's just an indication that when you're playing at the level, the Cubs want to be at, which is the top end of the the ladder, the upper tier, right? The the big boys uh, to, to quote uh, Joe Madden in a, in a different sense, but (laughs) You want to play with the big boys, the Astros, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, etc. You you don't take mediocrity lightly, and I, I don't think that the Cubs are going to. I think Theo's being pretty clear of that as far as what they're going to do, what they should do. Again, we'll we'll save that specifically for when we need to talk about it. But, but, it's, but it's interesting how Joe, or rather Theo, brought up the base running miscues, yeah. the fielding miscues. How I interpreted that was an indictment of Joe Madden and, and the coaching staff. Way. It did. Yeah. I mean, this was a team. He also pointed 20... specifically to the leadoff spot, which, uh, you know, again, like I, I don't know exactly. I mean, that's on Theo. But, you know, I, I maybe maybe there was a little bit of subconscious, you know, Joe 
frustration with batting totally. Yeah, I, I just figure like at this point in the season when we're hearing the president of baseball operations talking about certain spots in the order, right, where yeah. you and I and others have been trying to make sense of some of the decisions that have gone in there, it, it kind of felt like a little bit, not a jab at Joe, but, you know, again, like there's only certain a certain number of guys that really have control over an organization and over the decisions that are made and you know so when you're talking about certain things you're either pointing the mirror straight back at you or you're pointing at you know one of a couple guys right so i mean it, the likelihood joe comes back has got to be less than 10 percent at this point it, i mean it certainly doesn't seem i mean that even, way. i mean he yeah. has to win the world series Corey, to come back like that's yeah, because just... I, I think like you're already talking about a guy who was not re-signed. They talked pretty clearly that they wanted to see something different than they saw and in this is arguably worse than 2018. Oh, oh yeah, they got something <laughs> different. Uh, yeah, yes, they know, did. Just worse. But uh-huh. I do want to, since we're, we're kind of on this subject, I do want to talk about the move that the Cubs made, which was to take Jason McLeod off of the amateur side. He is no longer going to be heading the amateur scouting and drafting portion of this Cubs organization. He's moving to a role that has him more in the major league clubhouse and and dealing with the major league team and and the development and an organization of things going on at the major league level. Uh, Theo saying that this is not to prevent Jason or anyone else really from exploring other jobs. Like I mentioned, the the, the Red Sox are, are going to have some openings. Some other teams may have some openings. And we've heard Jed and Jason specifically connected to those jobs for quite some time. So Theo says that's not what it is. He's actually been pretty open that if guys want to explore other jobs. He's happy to encourage them to do that. He's been very close with a lot of these guys for a long time. So I would think that that is accurate, that he wants them to succeed and and do good things in the game of baseball. Uh, but it's a pretty significant move. Jason McLeod has has been the leader of that portion of the Chicago Cubs since this process begun. And he is responsible for the decisions that lead to drafting guys like Chris Bryant, et cetera, and and a lot of that direction. Uh, But also, he has been responsible for, as we've talked about a lot, the lack of literally any drafted and developed pitching on this Cubs team and, and, you know, really moving up those ranks in the Cubs organization and just on prospect lists in general. So this is a pretty interesting move, and I think to see it happen now is, again, you know, another one of those indications that changes are coming, and and they're not even waiting around for it. So I'm curious your thoughts on this, and, you know, I was reading a piece from Sadev Sharma in The Athletic that, you know, just had some pretty clear statements that they are looking for new eyes. They want fresh eyes on some of this stuff. They want to bring in new perspectives, and whether that is promoting certain guys from the lower levels of your organization or going out and finding new people, it's it's pretty clear that the changes that may come to this organization are not going to be limited to those on the field or in the clubhouse. They are going to include that front office. And and Theo has said a lot that that group needs to be held accountable to. I said that on this last uh, episode with certain guys in this front office that, again, we can't lay this at anybody's feet. Anybody thinking that the situation the Cubs are in is solved if someone else was managing the team for the entirety of 2019 is fooling themselves. That There's a lot of places you can look, and it does include the front office. So this is a pretty significant move. 
Yeah, very significant. And for McLeod, he's been doing, you know, amateur work for about 25 years now. So, and probably beyond that before he even got all these gigs. So moving him out of that role was huge, at least how I perceived that. And there's several different viewpoints, perspectives that I think you can take and and try to figure out why they made this move. One reason is, like you said, Corey, they want to get new eyes in. This is a completely different era of baseball from that of even five years ago, one defined by improving and capitalizing on guys in your own system, trying to find deficiencies, not market deficiencies, but deficiencies in your own guys in your system that you can fix and address and get the best out of. I mean, we see that with the Dodgers on a monthly basis, Gavin Lux, you know, all these guys from out of nowhere. Houston does the same thing. They have these these pipelines of player development from guys who are not known as top prospects right out of the draft. So that that is something the Cubs have not been able to accomplish over the last year, two years, specifically on that pitching side. They've been able to do that with some of these bats. David Bodie, for example, is pretty successful this year from a guy who was really not touted as a prospect. Wilson Contreras, of course. So they've done that to a degree, but pitching, they haven't. And they've changed their pitching philosophy development over the last few years, their drafting philosophies over the last few years. Brian Smith, who was on the podcast at the All-Star break, was saying, yeah, you know what? They haven't developed pitchers, but you know, maybe be a little bit more patient because some of the guys at the lower levels are a byproduct of that different change of trying to go out and getting guys who have disgusting stuff, who are throwing in the upper 90s and develop them. You know, you look at someone like Braylon Marquez, for example. So the Cubs have been trying to like flip the script, right? Trying to develop their own guys more efficiently. And that may mean getting new people that are not Jason McLeod into that type of role. And so I, I, I think that was a significant contributor. Also, I mean, Theo and Jed and Jason, they're a tight-knit group. They've been together for you know, almost two decades now. And they know like each one of these guys have a unique skill set. Like Jason McLeod is a unique combination of executive skills and successful scouting uh, development. And so getting him out of that amateur side, putting them into the major league side, kind of grooming him for that GM major league type role, whether that is with the Cubs after Theo leaves, if he does leave, or maybe Jed is exploring other options as well. Having someone like McLeod in your system, even though he's not on the player development side anymore, is still a huge advantage. And even when he was asked by Sahadev Sharma, hey, like, does this mean you're not interested in that Boston job? McLeod still said, quote, I still aspire to someday get into that type of position, end quote. So that position means GM role. And, he, and so Sahadev pressed and he said, so is he ruling that out? And McLeod said, I do aspire to someday lead an organization, end quote. He still has that, that inkling to get out, spread his wings, take over a, a different club other than the Cubs. This will give him an opportunity to do that, gives the Cubs an opportunity to get fresh eyes in that scouting development role and gives the Cubs still a pretty strong suit on that front office by maintaining 
and sustaining a trio of guys who have an enormous amount of executive experience, executive skill set, and a ton of success to go along with that. So I, I like it, Corey. I was shocked, to be honest with you. When I, when I heard that news, I, I was blown away just because never in my, in my wildest you know, dreams, nightmares, whatever you want to call this, that the Cubs would move Jason McCloud out of their scouting development into the major league role. I, I would never have thought that would happen. And I think it is somewhat insightful in what the state of that scouting and developmental system is in 2019 and how much it needs to be improved. Not an indictment of Jason McLeod whatsoever. You know, a lot of talented guys out there that deserve to have these types of roles. McLeod now is transitioning away to that and giving someone who deserves it an opportunity to be successful and getting new eyes in there. It's a good thing all around, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, and I do think that it's important that Jason is still with the organization. He's had a lot of success. He has a lot of experience in Major League Baseball. And I, I think that whether certain things with their philosophies and, and how their system has ultimately developed, whether whether you are pleased with that, really upset with it, where, wherever you find yourself, I, I think that a lot of these guys are, are not limited in their usage as far as a front office perspective to just one area. These are guys who have been around the game a lot. They have really good relationships with players. And Jason was talking too about how much experience he has leading organizations, leading individual teams of employees and, and departments and things like that. And, and those things are very valuable. So I think to have a mind such as his still in the organization is a good thing. But I do agree. Like I, I think it is time for a different direction. And we've kind of seen them veering in a different direction with some of the decisions that they made as far as certain drafting strategies. It has changed since the beginning of this process, this rebuild, so to speak. But I, I, I do think that it is time to explore different directions because I think you brought this up, Brendan. Like you look at some of these other teams, and there are, are other teams across Major League Baseball who it is like dipping into a candy jar, right, for these different prospects and different guys that throw 100 miles an hour, and they just bring up one after the other, after the other, after the other. And while the Cubs do have some talent still in this system, they have a lot of exciting guys that I think are going to play a role here going forward for this organization. It, it, we've talked about this before, Brendan. It, it does feel like they're a little bit behind in that regard. They're, they're just not exploiting whatever the market inefficiencies are that they once exploited in terms of those college bats, those those big-time position players that ultimately let them win a World Series in 2016. Let's not forget. Yes, they did, yep. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like they are at the forefront of where the game is right now, and they, and they need to figure out a way to get there. But yeah, so I think that maybe wraps up our discussion centered around the the front office. Some some very interesting remarks and and some very honest remarks from Theo Epstein. So I think those those were interesting to go over and we do already have a little bit of an organizational change to a shakeup, Corey. Yeah. I mean that is so, that is a shakeup. You're ta- you're talking about yeah. one of the trio. Yeah, the brain trust. Brain trust moving out of the role, the very role that he's been in for like a decade, Corey, in right. the majority of this Cubs rebuild, they took him out of that role into a different role. So yeah, absolutely. So again, like that stuff is going to be fascinating to 
monitor and and keep an eye on, but I do want to recenter us back in 2019. I, I know some of you are probably content to yeah. move on from <laughs> from this current iteration of this Cubs team. Uh, and just kind of look at where we are. With the, We are headed into the last homestand, 10 games left at Wrigley Field, and then that one final road trip to ultimately finish the season. And here is where we are. The Cubs and Brewers are tied, which is disgusting, trailing the St. Louis Cardinals, even more disgusting, uh, by four games apiece. The <laughs> Cubs and Brewers are currently tied, for that second wild card spot, both teams three and a half games behind the Washington Nationals for home field in the wild card game. The playoff picture, as it is presented to me on MLB.com, has the Diamondbacks at three and a half games behind the Cubs and Brewers, the Phillies and Mets both two games behind the Cubs and Brewers for that second spot. So if you are thinking about how dangerously close the Cubs are, to missing the playoffs, that is how close they are, about two games. Uh, Well, or none if the Brewers overtake them, but part of my brain just sort of refuses to acknowledge that possibility. But regardless, uh, so I I think, Brendan, the most... disappointing thing. We we kind of started this podcast by talking about Nico and how exciting that first game was and 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 just how kind of inspiring even just for a night that that really felt for the team. I think what's most disappointing about this series is that we we've kind of looked at this trip for the Cardinals to Colorado as one of those areas where the Cubs could really make up ground because regardless of how the Rockies are playing, that's a tough trip. It's always a tough trip. It's a very strange ballpark to play in. So kind of hoping that you'd be able to make up ground there. And well, fortunately or unfortunately, that is what happened. The Cubs just didn't win to match it. The the Cardinals lost for what feels like the first time in ages two one-run games. They lost two to one twice in this series in Colorado. And the Cubs were not able to pick up any ground on them. So that is immensely frustrating because in an alternate universe where you're able to beat a pretty despondent-looking Padres team, I mean, they just looked ready to pack it in. Their lineup is disgusting for the most part. And you're not able to pick up those wins. You could have been looking at a two-game deficit in the division and like really thinking, okay, we're going to overtake them in these last couple weeks. We've, we've messed around for long enough, but we've got seven games with the Cardinals and we've gotten it close enough that we're going to do it. We're going to do the damage and we're going to overtake them. And you know, now you find yourself again really looking at, I, I know you kind of presented these these numbers on Twitter, Brendan. It's, you know, it's, it's not the best place to be in if you're looking at what you would need to do from the Cubs' perspective and then have the Cardinals do to ultimately win the division. But we've got a handful of games left. We have 10 games at Wrigley Field and then two series on the road to finish the season. That's what the playoff picture is. And like Theo said, the past has to be the past. You you have the ability to make the playoffs. There is still an opportunity there. And whether you would expect the Cubs to get in a wild card game with, say, Washington and lose and that just be it, or win and then lose to the Braves or Dodgers, or if you think they can sneak in and win the whole damn thing, 
I, it does it doesn't really matter what your expectation is when there is a playoff spot available you have to try to get it that that is i think any other attitude is not what i ascribe to and for as frustrating as this team has been at times the goal is to make the playoffs if there is a way to do it i am always going to be all in until that is no longer a possibility so Despite, uh, again, a a disappointing overall series in San Diego, uh, a just gut-punching loss on Tuesday with Ciszek walking off on the walk to lose that game. I know I'm in Chicago now, so I was, uh, for the first time all season, up with all of you, you know, not enjoying those West Coast games on the West Coast. So I was sitting there at 115 or whatever it was in Chicago watching the Cubs lose on a walk-off walk. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with all of you. But you got to come home and you have to you got to put your foot down. You got to say, look, like we're playing a bad Pirates team. And it's sort of the same as this Padres series. Like this is a team that's not in the playoffs. They have nothing to play for. They've looked like garbage. They're getting in fights in their clubhouse. Kyle Crick is, I think, out for the season because he got in a fight with Vasquez. So this is just not a team you can lose games to. And we're at the point, Brendan, where we always say you can't expect a sweep. You can't demand a sweep. I'm demanding a sweep. You got to sweep this team. You have to win every game and get ready to try and beat the Cardinals to win this division or at least stave off those three teams, those four teams, excuse me, who are trying to knock you out of the playoffs altogether. So I will be at all of these games. And as I've said before, like now is just the time to give them whatever energy you got. If, if it's gone, I don't necessarily blame you, right? Like the, these have been uh, some taxing seasons. The Cubs have been playing deep, usually into October, sometimes in November, if you remember, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I understand if you're, you know, maybe uh, mentally exhausted from, from baseball at the moment and just with how the last two seasons have transpired. But if you have anything left in you, now is the time to send that energy to the Chicago Cubs. I don't know if it's going to help. I know we've all been trying to do that all year, but they have a chance to make the playoffs, and I, for one, am going to be trying my best to will them into it uh, over these, you know, final couple weeks. So, it's not the situation that any of us want to be in. I, I don't think this is how any of us envision the season going down, but there, there's still that possibility there, and I, and I think we all need to just hope that this team can put the blinders on, put their head down, and just win games. It doesn't matter how you do it. doesn't matter how if it's pretty. It doesn't matter who's the person leading the charge. You just got to try to find a way to win games, man. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Hello, this is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with Geico? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing. Could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. Geico. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. 
every season is sacred, Corey. Every single season is sacred, and every opportunity is sacred. Despite the Cubs playing like the worst level of baseball we've seen them play in quite some time, they are still within a hunt. They, as the season would end today, would be playing a game to get to another tie-breaking game, that wild card game, and it sucks. Like I'm right there with you that it sucks, but at the same time, you know, we look back in some of those late 2000 years, 2009, 2010, you know, early parts of 2010s, and we would have died for this opportunity, even in 2015 when we won 97 games. Like, getting to that wild card game was a huge deal for us. And to some degree, I'm excited about the possibility of them getting there. I will admit I'm exhausted following this team. Like, I, I have very little energy, and it's hard to reconcile understanding that this opportunity is still a sacred one at the same time trying to like muster up the excitement level to get to that game because this this has been an exhausting year and even for you know we can go back to to august of last season in 2018 and even if you want to extend it back to 2017 for the first half like this has been a really challenging inconsistent emotional roller coaster three-year stretch for this team when we never imagined that this would be the case coming off a world series win and coming off with a young core and a ton of financial flexibility this is kind of something that seemed more unrealistic than the likelihood and i i get that i really do but again there is a chance to go to the playoffs to go to the nlds there is a chance to beat the Cardinals to win that division if you take care of business. And I'm not, to be honest, I'm not that optimistic about it right now, but who cares? The possibility is there. You take care of Pittsburgh. St. Louis is going through a tough stretch right now of tough opponents. They got Washington, they got Arizona, they got the Cubs. It's going to be difficult for them to keep winning at this pace. And we saw Milwaukee gained five games on the Cubs in five days, five days in a week. You know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but baseball is going to baseball. And this is sometimes the nature of the sport. So yeah, I will be watching these games. I will be on the edge of my seat. I say I'm not excited now, but then going on the stretch, I will be excited. And even though I don't have that energy right now, I probably will get that energy. It's just how it works. I get it. I know it sucks to be in a situation, but try you know, maybe I'm projecting, but it might help to just, you know, put away everything that's happened in the past few weeks, focus on what's ahead. Cubs baseball will be, will be ending soon. The offseason will be started. We'll, you'll be missing playing Cubs baseball. Enjoy it as much as you can, as much as you can, because these opportunities, they are sacred, Corey. Yeah. So I think that's where we're at. And, uh, you know, there there's obviously some positives in that San Diego series. We saw Chris Bryant look a lot better doing a lot of damage on some really uh, high velocity from some of these Padres pitchers. After a cortisone shot in the knee, by the way. So, right. You know, yes. Cortisone, healthy. cortisone for everybody. Uh, yeah, you know, it, Give it to a, a bit of a double-edged sword, right? Like the positive, you had a two-homer game from both Chris Bryant and Jason Hayward on Tuesday. The negative that that was pissed away by uh, <laughs> a critical Ben Zobrist error and 
Steve Ciszek, uh doing whatever you want to call that. I'm not going to call it pitching because that's not what it was. Uh, but you also have Yu Darvish continuing to look like pretty much the best pitcher. I mean, I might even go as far to say the best player on the Cubs currently. He has lowered his, his season ERA is finally under four after, uh, you know, kind of that, that interesting start certainly just not what what he was hoping for describing it yeah uh but he goes six innings on thursday 14 strikeouts just two hits no runs two walks uh somehow only his sixth win yeah that no decision streak really really got to him as far as the win total but similar to nico like we talked about in the beginning like regardless of how this season ends up playing out that is really important folks they they, he he's going to be with the team for a while now and he's not showing that he's just some guy in the rotation right now he's showing that he is a top of the rotation he is the ace of top top of of the league potential guy that you ultimately went out and and signed and i think Again, regardless of, of what goes on here in the next couple of weeks, that's important going forward. Darvish looking like this is hugely important for this season right now, and especially as we transition into 2020 here at some point. So I don't think that that should be lost in the shuffle just because the series overall was a bit of a disappointment there in San Diego, because especially with how his Cubs career started in 2018, which is basically as bad as it could have gone with the injuries and the poor performance, the walks, just the whole thing was a mess. And for him to come back and not only write the ship, but write the ship in such an exciting way uh, is, is really something that... I, I wanted to make sure that, that we highlighted because it, it's no going to be important going forward and it, it should be a big storyline for the 2019 season. It's it's somewhat of a shame that you Darvish isn't doing this in, in the midst of the Cubs going on some crazy run and he's kind of leading that chart right. because he deserves to be, but no it, 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 it's not the way that it happens. And I, and I do just want to read uh, this number from ESPN Stats and Info. You Darvish struck out 14 batters without allowing a run on Thursday. The only Cubs pitcher in the live ball era since 1920 to strike out more in a scoreless start. I, mo, no, most of the time, Brendan, I say I wouldn't get this trivia question. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm just not good with trivia. But I, I think most of us could get this one. Uh, the only other person in the live ball era to strike out more in a scoreless game is probably one of the one of, if not the most famous Cubs pitching performance, and that would be Kerry Wood in 1998 when he struck out. 20. Kerry Wood also did it in 20, 2001, excuse me, where he struck out 14. Sutcliffe and Dick Drott in 1957 also struck out 14. So that is your uh, most strikeouts in a scoreless start for the Chicago Cubs since 1920. I just thought that was a cool stat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, like, it, it, it's, it, it, that Darvish thought, I think, is indicative of where we are with, with the whole spot here, because it's, you really, like, thinking about how much of a disaster that was in 2018, if I had told you he was doing this and he was on a stretch like this, I would be positive that every podcast in which he pitched in the series, that would be all we would talk about. And unfortunately, that is just not the kind of like lead issue for the Chicago Cubs at the moment, but it is still important and something we should be paying attention to because he is going to be a part of this team going forward. 
Okay, so let's preview the series against the Pittsburgh Pirates, Corey. Friday, day game, 3.05 p.m. Central. That's a, that's a late day game for a Friday one. Uh, we have Steven Brault on the mound for Pittsburgh, who is 4-4 four four with a 4.13 ERA. His start was pushed back on Thursday to Friday. He'll be facing John Lester for the Cubs, 12-10 with a 4.51 ERA. On Saturday, we have James Marvel on the mound for the Pirates. He is 0-1 with a 3.6 ERA. He'll be facing Kyle Hendricks, who is 10-9 with a 3.33 ERA. That game starts at 1.20 p.m. Central Time. And then on Sunday, to finish off this three-game set, we have Trevor Williams on the mound for the Pirates, 7-6 with a 5.21 ERA. He'll be facing... The Cubs, Jose Quintana, who is 13-8 with a 4.15 ERA. The Cubs are indeed tied with Milwaukee for that second wildcard spot. They are two games up of Philadelphia and New York. They are four games back of the St. Louis Cardinals in the division. The Cardinals are playing Milwaukee for a three-game set. Then they will welcome the Washington Nationals to St. Louis before going to Wrigley Field for a four-game set against the Cubs, then immediately traveling to Arizona for a three-game set against the Diamondbacks, and then finally finishing off the season with the Cubs in St. Louis for a three-game series. So that's a that's a group of tough teams, Corey. Cardinals facing, again, Milwaukee, Washington, the Cubs, Arizona, and then the Cubs once again. All teams fighting for a playoff spot at the current moment. So you just got to hope Cubs take care of business. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one to follow, Corey, the, the Cardinals-Brewers series. It's because right now, if the Brewers win, it's like, ah, oh, crap. Like, you know, we need that wild card spot. But at the same time, if the Cardinals win, you know, you have that wild card spot going in your favor. So it, it's an awkward situation to be in. But if the Cubs take care of business... If they sweep the Pirates, they will be gaining ground no matter what. Simple right. as that. And that's what you have to do. Don't worry about who else plays, you know, what other team. Win these three games, you gain ground, you take care of business. It's that simple. Yeah, Brendan. So like you said, the Cardinals playing the Brewers this weekend, they still have Washington on the schedule. They still have Arizona on the schedule. So if you do your job and you win over the course of these weeks, you're going to pick up ground on somebody. If the Cardinals take care of business against those teams, guess who you get to play seven times? The Cardinals. So put your head down and win. It's 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 very clear. And I think the language from Theo makes it even clearer. Nobody associated with this team should be proud of where they're at. And I know that there are a lot of fans out there. And if you're listening, I I certainly don't mean to disparage this attitude. It's just not what I ascribe to. I know that there are so many of us, certainly folks older than Brendan and I, that have sat through way more seasons than we have of abysmal baseball, non-playoffs, non-competitive, just nothing. So to be in a race, I think is enough for a lot of people. And if it is for you, that's totally fine. I'm not, I, it's certainly not one to tell you how to root for the team or what your expectations should be or anything. But I do think that I would at least consider that we have been promised, we have been told, we have been explained in great detail why this team is being held to a higher standard than that. And that is not a narrative that comes from the fans. It is words that come from the owner, Tom Ricketts, that come from the president, Theo Epstein, and that come from the manager, Joe Madden, and all of the players, that this team wants to be competing for world championships 
every single year. Nothing less, no exceptions to that rule. So when they perform like this, I think that we are, as fans, are allowed and I think should be uh, frustrated and uh, annoyed and upset with the way that they have played and the position that they have put themselves in. But, like Theo said, there is time to rectify it. And the way you do it is go home for these 10 games and win baseball games. Play good baseball. It doesn't matter who the star is. It doesn't matter who's picking up who doesn't make a difference. You just need to win games. You are at that point in the year where I don't care what anybody's season numbers need to look at. I, I was the one talking about Rizzo hitting you know, his career high. I couldn't care any less about that at the moment. It doesn't matter who's doing what. All that matters is that the Cubs win at the end of the day. The only thing matters that, Brendan, over these next 10 games is that the flag is flying at Wrigley Field the one with the W on it, not the one with yes. the L on it, to be to just for, for the purists just to, just to out there. Yeah. The semantics, yeah. And that the song is being sung at the end of these games. That is the only thing that matters. Fly the flag, sing the song, do it all 10 times, and it'll be very interesting to see where this team is at. Could you at the end of those ten if they games, win, if they if they win ten games in a row, that, that's, that's what it. you got to do. You got to put your head down, and sure, you have to win. Yeah. Gotta what has happened <laughs> to this point doesn't matter. You, like Theo said, you have a chance to rewrite this script a little bit. I think a lot of people have written the ending to this movie, and they have feel like they've seen this movie before, and they know how it ends, right? Like I said, a lot of fans have gone through a lot of different seasons of Cubs baseball, and this one probably doesn't feel too unfamiliar to them. But there is a chance to rewrite that ending, and they, they have to take it. That, that That's all that this comes down to. So like I said, I will be there on Friday afternoon and for the duration of these home games at Wrigley Field, rooting on the boys and trying to help them in any way that I can, uh, which I assume is a significant contribution, to win these games. And that is really all that it comes down to at this point. And like we said, we there will be plenty of time to pick apart the body, if there is one, uh, once th- that actually comes to pass. But, you know, I think we can we can save that for now and just hope that the Cubs can go on and win games. Uh, you know, on an individual level, Brendan, I would prefer that Joe not lead people like Tony Kemp off. Uh, you know, I guess that's what we get for complaining about Elmora so much. Uh, Joe was like, okay, I'll do somebody else, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, like a, a 700 OPS or above should, you know, can we have like a threshold at the very least for the leadoff spot? I mean, 700 OPS minimum. Or stare every day. It's just, come yeah. on. Come yeah, on. let let let's not have guys with uh, you know six fifty or below OPSs getting the most at bats. I mean, it should be but pretty simple, but you know what do we know? You'd think. I I digress. Uh, yeah, we're just fans on Twitter, Brendan. But yeah. anyway, uh, I think that's all we have for you. So again, I, I this is a weird spot for us. This is a, an interesting position to be in as fans. I think you guys all feel this too where it's it's difficult to not be frustrated by some of this i like again tuesday was just one of those games where if if i had something in my hand to break it would have been broken but i learned a long time ago to prevent that from happening to kind of uh you know keep keep some self control with that stuff and and not have glass objects anywhere near me when i watch the cubs in september but 
the, the chance is still there. The playoff race is still going on, and the Cubs are in it. So we, we kind of have to calibrate ourselves and find the appropriate way to watch and, and support the team going forward. So we will be here every step of the way, as we always do, uh, two episodes a week, one before and after every series. And boy, are these series going to carry a significant weight on the 2019 season. So as always, we thank you guys for joining us. I know especially these late games in California. I know a lot of people not really able to stay up with work and school and whatever you have going on to watch the games. Uh, so I, I, you know, we appreciate you guys listening and I know that this season has been frustrating. So we appreciate you guys tuning in to get more coverage of the 2019 Cubs. I, you know, there, there's uh, part of me that thinks we're all crazy for <laughs> indulging more content with this team at times, but we love them and, uh, we're going to ride it out no matter what. That's just what we do as Cubs fans. So with that, we will be here after the Cubs finish up what really better be a sweep, Brendan, uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I sincerely hope to be bringing the broom when I record the podcast on Sunday, but we will be here no matter what, and then we will get ready for the final week at Wrigley Field, the final week of games at home for the Chicago Cubs. We will get you ready for that on Monday morning. So as always, thank you very much for listening, and whether they are competing for the playoffs or doing something else, we will be here saying, Go Cubs! This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your dentist to actually believe you? And you're flossing every day. Absolutely. Great. Um, and you're cutting down on your sweets? Of course. <laughs> Wonderful. Then I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months. There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. There's a chance your local GEICO agent has the same hyper-specific taste in music as you. Yeah, I can't get enough of neo-operatic breakbeat. Do you listen to Kale Bent and the Lettuce Works? Only every day. 
But there's a better chance your local GEICO agent could help you out with insurance. They'll work hard to provide sound advice and significant savings. You don't need a hip, underground music scene to do that. Local GEICO agents. Call or visit yours today. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.